Well, good morning, everybody. So this morning, I need your help. I need you to pretend today that you are my counselors. And you can tell I need a whole lot of counselors. So you're my counselors, and I'm going to describe some relationships that I'm in, and I need you to give me some feedback, okay? So everybody get your best counselor hat on and get ready for your best biblical advice, okay? Everybody ready? Three of you are ready. Great. I got three counselors ready for me this morning. All right, so here's here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to describe some relationships that I'm in, and I need you to give me feedback on those relationships. So the first relationships um, that I'm in that I'm going to describe are my relationship with my kids. My wife and I have four kids, and since the beginning of our relationship with them, life has felt a little one-sided. We worked real hard to bring them into the world, and uh, my wife worked a little bit harder than I did on that day. I would just acknowledge that, but I was there. I was coaching. I was, you know, wiping sweat off her brow and making sure the TV was on the right channel. You know, I was doing all the, you know, the right stuff. And, uh, you know, when our kids came into the world, it just seemed like, like life was all about them. You know, mom, I'm hungry. Dad, I need a diaper change. Mom, I'm hungry again. Dad, I need another diaper change. And then as our kids started growing older, their demands got more, got bigger. They increased on a regular basis. So we would feed them in the morning, and then like a few hours later, they wanted to be fed again. And then a few hours after that, they wanted to be fed again. And as they continued to grow, they wanted new clothes. Like they would outgrow things. And then like, hey, I need new clothes. Why do you need new clothes? We just bought you new clothes. Like think I've outgrown them. You can't have outgrown them. We just got them. My son... And I recently had this conversation where he's, he's just hit this growth spurt, and he's really proud that he thinks he's taller than I am. But if you look close, it's just an optical illusion. He is not. I just say it's the hair thing, and the hair doesn't count, so it's got to go scalp to scalp. But he said, Dad, like, I think I need some new shoes. And I'm looking at his shoes, and like, his toes are hanging out. I'm like, what's wrong with your shoes? Like, I, I think these are too tight. So we go down, and we get him some shoes. Well, he went from a size 9 to a size 11. Like, what's the deal, man? You got to stop growing so much. So it's like, just gimme, gimme, gimme. Then there's my relationship with my wife. My wife and I have been married 25 years, and I'd say we have a great relationship. We've got the typical ups and downs like every relationship has. Um, but over the, you know, that past 25 years, I'd say there have been some moments that our relationship has felt kind of one-sided. Like, for example, the other day, I made our bed without being asked. Those are all the men clapping. she, She didn't ask me to do it. I just made the bed. She didn't say thank you. She didn't say anything about it. She didn't post on social media how amazing of a man that I am. Like, I didn't get it. I didn't understand why she didn't do that, but she didn't. And then there are moments where after a long day at work, I get the call or the text that says, can you go by the store and get something on your way home? So I go by the store and I'm in line with everybody else that doesn't want to be there. And I'm walking through the store trying to figure out what to get. And I'm not sure, you know, where things are that she wants on the, in the store. So I walk the store 10 times more than I probably should. I come home with things I didn't need. I get the wrong stuff. Sometimes I got to go back out. Like it's just, you know, time consuming. And there's moments it just feels like a relationship is one-sided. So counselors, 
What's your advice for me? You're selfish. <laughs> well said. Well said, Robert. Anybody else? Trust Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. Acceptance. Acceptance. Accept, accept my role. Accept my spot. Change your perspective. Oh, there's more moments of that. Yeah, we're, we're, being, we're being honest here this morning. So obviously, hopefully, you can tell that I'm obviously being very sarcastic about my relationship with my wife and my kids. Um, but the reality is, if we approach our relationships as consumers, we will always be frustrated. And when it comes to family life, there's always going to be this give and take in family life. But again, if we come to uh, these relationships, some of these most important relationships, looking at what we can get out of it as opposed to what we can give to it, there's going to be high levels of frustration in our lives. And that's kind of what we're talking about in this series. We're talking about family life, talking about what it means to belong inside of God's family and the responsibilities that we have to each other inside God's family. And so what we've learned in this series is that when someone puts their faith and trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior, as many of you have, then that means we're adopted into God's family. It's an amazing thing. Uh, uh, reality of scripture, reality of Christianity, we are adopted into God's family. Now, as members of that family, we have certain responsibilities to each other and certain responsibilities to God. So that's what we've been exploring so far in this series. So in week one, we looked at our responsibility to accept other people and help them grow to be like Jesus. And then we looked at our second responsibility, and that was to love others. And Jesus said the greatest commandment, the greatest thing that we can do for anybody is love God and love people. And that sounds so simple and yet can be so incredibly challenging for us to do. Now, today we're going to talk about another thing that we have, another responsibility that we have for each other as members of God's family. And we're gonna learn from Jesus today. Jesus is going to model for us this next responsibility. And one of the greatest things that we're gonna learn from Jesus is that he never approaches family relationships or any relationship as a consumer. He always approaches them as a contributor. So we're gonna be in John chapter 13, for those who want to follow along with us. And let me just set the scene for you of what's happening in John 13. So in John 13, Jesus has gathered his disciples for what is known as the Last Supper. And this is the last meal that Jesus is going to have before his arrest and his crucifixion. And he's gathered them at a time that was known as the Passover celebration. And if you're not familiar with the Passover celebration, it's a celebration that dates back 3,500 years to a time that God freed the people of Israel from slavery to the Egyptians. And what happened on that specific Passover night, that first Passover night, God instructed the people of Israel to take a lamb, an innocent lamb, and to kill that lamb and to take that lamb's blood and paint it over the doorposts of their home on the top and on the sides. And then when the death angel would pass through that area, if the blood was painted on the doorpost, then the death angel would pass over that home and not take the life of the oldest son in that home. That's where it, it, the celebration got the name of Passover. And there's no coincidence that Jesus was arrested and crucified on Passover. 
And it's no coincidence that he would become our Passover lamb for us. So John 13, verse 1, says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Some translations say that he showed them the full extent of his love. Now, I just love Jesus' perspective here because Jesus could have easily said, uh, hey guys, you know, I'm about to go through a horrible experience for you. I'm about to take the sin of the world on my shoulders. And so I think tonight it would be like super great if you would serve me. Like, how about filling up a cup of wine for me? Like, how about some of you getting some grapes and feeding them to me? How about somebody maybe massaging my back because my back is about to be whipped open? Like, how about that? Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't do any of that. Jesus just simply showed his disciples the extent of his love, and he did it in a very simple way. Verse 2 tells us that it was time for supper. Now, back in that day, in Jesus' culture, there was a custom that centered around celebrations like this. And and it was like this. If you were going to have people over to your home for a big celebration, you would have a servant there who would wash everyone's feet as they came in. Now, that sounds a little bit weird to us. You know, we might ask people to wash their hands before dinner, uh, but we're certainly not asking people to wash their feet. But in that culture, people wore sandals, the roads were dusty and dirty. So when somebody came into your home, even if they had fully bathed, their feet would be dirty again. And so they would need their feet cleaned. And often what they would do is eat reclining around a table. So there's a good chance you're going to have somebody's feet close to your face while you're eating, and you would really like those feet to be clean. So there would be a foot washing servant there who would bend down, who would take off your sandals, who would pour water over your feet to clean the dust and the dirt off and the gum or whatever else you stepped on on your way there, and then dry them with the towel. Then you'd be clean and you'd go in to dinner. But at this dinner, there wasn't a foot washing servant present. We're not sure if Jesus orchestrated that on purpose for a teachable moment for his disciples or if one of his disciples forgot to do that and Jesus leveraged it, we're not really sure. But this would have created an awkward moment for Jesus' disciples. And we don't read this in the text, but I just assume that some of the disciples are thinking like, I can't believe Jesus didn't coordinate a foot washing servant, or I can't believe Peter forgot to do that. Like, that's crazy. Like, I'm certainly not going to do that. I saw what Judas stepped in on his way over here. Like, I'm certainly not cleaning that off his feet. There's no way somebody else can clean my feet, but I'm not cleaning their feet. We don't really know what was going on in their mind, but as they stood there waiting to see what Jesus would do, verse three says, Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. It's a very powerful statement in light of what Jesus is about to do. If you know this story, you know Jesus is about to wash his disciples' feet. And even if you've never heard this story before, you can probably guess that Jesus is gonna wash the disciples' feet. That's just something that Jesus would do. But I want you to think about somebody that you know in your life who's been given authority. I want you to think about what they do or what they have done, 
what they've been doing with that authority. Sometimes when we're given authority, we start thinking weird things. We start thinking like, now that I'm in this position, now that I'm the boss, now that I'm the team captain, now that I'm the whatever, I don't have to do that stuff anymore. I don't have to wash anybody's feet because that's beneath me. Somebody else will have to do that. I I get a servant to do that. You know, if you really wanna know what's in somebody's heart, if we really wanna know what's in our own hearts, watch what happens when we're given authority. Watch what we do. If we start doing weird things when we're given authority, it reveals kind of the condition of our heart. So Jesus easily could have told somebody else to wash everyone's feet. But verse four tells us, Jesus got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Now just imagine What's going on through the disciples' mind in that moment? You know, moments ago, they might have been thinking, I'm not washing anybody's feet. That's somebody else's job. wasn't my job. And then all of a sudden, Jesus gets up to wash their feet. And I just wonder if some of them did that body reflex thing, like, oh, Jesus, I was about to do that, but you beat me to it. It's just funny what we tend to do when somebody else does what we know deep down inside that we should do. Verse six says, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand what I'm doing, but someday you will. It's another powerful statement here by Jesus. And I think the reality for us is there are many moments when we don't understand what God's doing. There are many moments when we don't get it. There are many moments we're too confused, like we're, we're hurt, we don't see things from God's perspective, and we walk through this journey of, of something that we're going through, like, I just don't get it, I just don't understand. And I think the truth of Jesus' statement comes back into our lives. I think Jesus goes like, you don't get it now, but one day you will. One day you'll understand. And maybe it'll happen a week from now. Maybe it's a month from now. Maybe several months. Maybe several years from now. Maybe in eternity, we'll look back and go, oh, I get it. I understand what God was doing. And that was a good thing. God took a a bad thing and made it a great thing. So if you're in a spot this morning where you're confused, where you don't know what's going on. You don't understand why God's allowing some situation to happen in your world. You don't understand what God is doing. Like you feel like you're not hearing him clearly enough. Just rest assured that one day you'll understand. God loves you. He's got an amazing plan for you and he's doing something good even if you can't see it, even if you don't understand it on the surface. Verse eight says, Peter protested. No, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Now, let me give us a little clarity of what Jesus meant here and what Jesus didn't mean. Jesus wasn't specifically talking about washing feet. He wasn't saying, you know, Peter, if I don't wash your feet in this moment, you're not part of my family and you won't have eternal life. That's not what Jesus was talking about. He was making a reference to washing our sins away. That's something that all of us need to have. Where Jesus says, listen, I'm dying on the cross so that your sins can be washed away, so you could be put back in a right relationship with God and be in his family that will last forever. And if you don't let me wash your sins away, you won't belong to my family. 
So I think a big question for all of us is, have we done that? Have we asked Jesus into our heart? Have we asked him to wash our sins away? If you have, you belong to his family and you'll be part of that family for all of eternity. If you haven't, you don't belong to his family yet, but you can. Like you could resolve that this morning. Like even now, like in this moment, you could tune me out. You could start a conversation with the creator of the universe and you could say something like this. Like, Jesus, I believe that you died so I can have eternal life. I ask you to come into my heart, wash me clean, be my Lord and my savior. And scripture tells us that he will do that. In that moment, when we ask, he will come in. And in that moment, you'll become a follower of Jesus. You will belong to his family. If you've never done that, I hope that you will. You could do that even now. If you have questions about that after the service, I hope that you will come up and ask. I would love to help you answer some questions that maybe that you have about that. But Peter didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. So Peter said in verse nine, he said, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him, and that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Now, this is the craziest part of this story for me. The reality is, verse two tells us that Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him, was gonna betray him to the religious leaders who were gonna have him arrested and then crucified. And Jesus washed Judas's feet. So let's put ourselves in Jesus's spot. Okay. So you've got some of your closest friends around you and you know, one of them is going to betray you like the worst betrayal you've ever had in your entire life. Would you wash their feet? Personally, this is where I say time out, Jesus. Like, I don't know about that. Like, I I love to serve people that I like and people who like me, I love that. You know, I can see the benefit of that, but serving someone who hurt me, serving someone who betrayed me, like, I just don't know if I can pull that off. So Jesus says in Luke chapter six, says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who hurt you, If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. In in verse 35, he says, then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children. He's talking about family here as children of the Most High, for he, talking about God, is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. One of the things that makes Christianity stand out among all faith systems in the world is that we are told to love everyone, not just people inside our faith system, not just people who are really nice to us. We're told to love and serve everyone. So after this, In verse 12, it says, after washing their feet, Jesus put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for, what's that next word? Doing them. God will bless you for doing them. Jesus didn't say, God's gonna bless you if, if you have a great desire to serve, but you don't. God, Jesus didn't say, God's gonna bless you if you learn a whole lot about serving. He said, God will bless you. If you follow my example, you pick up a serving towel and you serve, not just people who like you, not just people that you like, but you learn to serve everyone. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with serving. There are parts of serving that I love. There are places of serving that I love. And I'll be honest, this morning, I love to serve at church. I love serving at Epic. I mean, there's like so many different things around here that I love to do. I love serving on our prep team, getting this place transformed in the morning. I love serving uh, in our children's ministry, our student ministry. Uh, I, I have served in every aspect of our church except um, on our new media team and on our worship team. I don't know how to run a camera and I can't sing or play an instrument. So that's, that's the two places that, that I haven't tried out yet, but maybe one day you'll see me try those places. I just, I love serving. I love serving our community. I love serving internationally. I love to serve through our church family. But there are moments that I struggle to serve my own family. And here's an example. So not long ago, I was thinking about this message and it was early in the morning. I was getting ready to leave for work. And as I was getting ready to leave, I walked past our kitchen sink and I looked down our kitchen sink and our kitchen sink was full of dirty dishes. And my wife has let me know that one of the things that she hates is to start her day with a sink full of dirty dishes. And I don't know what happened the night before, but we didn't get to them. We didn't get them done. And there were a bunch of dirty dishes in the sink. So I walked past, I stopped and I looked, I'm thinking about this message of serving and I'm, I'm wondering to myself, should I clean these dishes or should I leave and let somebody else clean them when they get up? Like I'm the first one up and everybody else is asleep. And so I'm having a conversation in my mind and God audaciously, is that the right word? Audaciously, that's the way you said it. Audaciously suggests that maybe cleaning the sink would be a wonderful opportunity for me to serve my wife because I'm about to talk about serving. And I thought, well, yeah, that would be fantastic. So I picked up a dish towel and I started doing the dishes. I can't say that I had the best attitude in the moment, but I was doing the dishes and trying to do them quick so I could get out the door. So I'm doing the dishes and then I open the dishwasher and find that it is fully loaded and clean and needs to be unloaded before I can reload it. And I'm like, really God? Like really? And he goes, yeah, really? Like Trent, this is minor. This is minor, but this is the stuff I'm talking about. Remember what I did for my disciples? Remember what, like you're studying this, like you're, you're trying to teach this to people. You still gotta learn this yourself. You still gotta learn how to serve people, not when it's convenient to you, not when you're gonna get recognition for it, but just learn 
how to serve other people. And so there are moments that I struggle with serving. And yet this is part of what it means to belong to God's family, that we learn to serve each other always. So how are you doing at serving? How are you doing at serving maybe your family, maybe your parents, maybe your spouse, maybe your children? How are you doing at serving them? Is that easy for you? In some context, maybe that is easy for you. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's really challenging. How are you doing at serving your friends? Maybe that's easy. Maybe that's not easy. How are you doing at serving that guy at work that drives you crazy? How are you doing at serving maybe that neighbor that gets under your skin? How are you doing at serving people that you don't like? How about serving people who don't like you? God wants us to learn to serve everywhere. I think one of the greatest tests of our faith is who we serve and how we serve them. You can tell a lot about a person. You can tell a lot about what's in our heart by who we serve and the condition of our heart that we serve them with. I think God wants us to serve everywhere. I think he wants us to serve at work, at home, at school, and even at church. So the time that we have remaining this morning, I want to talk specifically about serving at church. And we've already established that a central message of Christianity is that God wants everybody inside his family, and Jesus died to make that possible. So I think it's safe to say that God is crazy about the church And I'm talking little C local church and big C global church. God is crazy about the church because the church is God's one and only plan to get as many people into his family for all of eternity. And so I think us spending time serving each other in the family and serving people outside of God's family to invite them into the family is a huge deal to God. And it should be a huge deal to us. Now, I'm not trying to manipulate anybody this morning. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. But I truly believe, as I read scripture, that if we're part of God's family, we have a responsibility to serve through that family for people inside and people outside of that family. And so I wonder this morning, have you found a place to serve? Many of you have. We've got some amazing servants around here some people that do some amazing things in some amazing ways. And I think that's why we've seen God do some really incredible things through our church family. And yet maybe you haven't found a place to serve yet. And I wanna guide you into how you possibly could do that. So there's a card on your seat I'd like you to grab for just a minute. And one side it says, get involved. And the other side highlights some of our serving opportunities. Now let me be clear about who I'm talking to. So if you're not a Christ follower, I'm not talking to you. Uh, There's no obligation for you to to do what we're talking about. If you're brand new to our church, you're like, you just showed up today for the first time. Like, I'm not talking to you about serving here. I I think you need to take some time and figure out if this should be your church home or not. If it is your church home, you decide to make your church home. At that point, I think you should engage serving. But this morning, I'm talking to people who would say, this is the place I come to church when I come to church, whether that's once a month, whether that's every Sunday, whatever that is. So if that's you, I'm talking to you for the next few minutes. So 
I want to highlight just a few areas where you could get active in serving. There's a lot of opportunities here. Uh, But if you look at our children's ministry and our student ministry, I want you to understand that on any given Sunday, we have around 180 kids here from zero to high school. 180. That's a lot. And it's so amazing to me because we've got children and students who want to be at church. And I got to tell you, when I grew up, Sunday was not my favorite day of the week. I did not love going to church. I loved Monday because Monday was the farthest away from Sunday. But I run into kids all the time who love coming to church. Why? Because of our volunteers that create an amazing ministry area where our kids say, I want to be a part of that. That is engaging to me. I need that in my life. And you can play a part in that. You could play a part in our children's ministry. You could play a part in our student ministry. You could play a part in a kid or a student's life and help answer maybe a parent's prayer, maybe that kid's prayer. Answer a prayer that somebody has for that kid that somebody would come in and help them at a critical moment in their life. And I think we can all look back in our lives, look back into our teenage years, look back in our childhood years and say, man, I just just wish I had some more consistent, loving adults in my life that would pour into me. You could be one of those people in those two ministry areas. You look down at the next couple of ministry areas I want to highlight is our media team and our tech team. And we've already talked about what's happening with live streaming So we're moving towards live streaming that's going to happen, I think, in October. And so we've got people on our teams learning how to run these cameras and uh, learning how to run this equipment on our tech team. And so our tech team's expanding, our media team's expanding. And again, you could play a part in reaching somebody outside of the, the walls of this building, outside of our church family in our community who just happens to watch a, a video. You could play a part in them meeting Jesus because you ran the lights or you you ran a camera or you uh, flipped a switch or ran a computer or adjusted the sound. You could help somebody meet Jesus and it could be as simple as flipping a switch. So there's some huge opportunities that we have. As you look at the rest of these opportunities, that's not the only ones that we have. There's a lot of other opportunities where you could get involved in transforming someone's life because you did what Jesus did. Because you got active in serving. So I'm going to challenge you today to pick up a serving towel and find a place to serve. And... Uh, here's, here's our, our deal with you. If you dive into serving and that place that you get active in serving is just not your place, you find that you're, you're not good at it, we will not leave you there. Why? Because you're not good at it. If you're not good at it, we won't leave you there. But I guarantee you there is something that you're great at. You were designed by God to do. And when you find that place, you'll understand what Jesus meant when he said, now God will bless you for doing what I've asked you to do. Not just talking about it, not just having good intentions for it, but actually doing that. So as you leave today, we've got our ministry areas set up out in the entrance. And as you walk out, we're going to give you some opportunities uh, to go just explore. And here's what I ask Don't just rush out the door. Don't walk out with your head down with your blinders on, trying not to make eye contact with a ministry leader. Walk out with confidence, like knowing God has gifted you with something 
And God wants you to use that thing to serve other people through our church family. So spend some time finding out what that might be and then commit to diving in and serving. So let's go back to John 13. Let's just pretend we're there with Jesus. He's gathered us as his closest followers. And we've got this awkward moment of who's gonna wash everybody's feet. Jesus gets up and he does that. And then he sits down and he says, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. So do as I have done to you. Let's pray together. Lord, inside the family of God, the place that you want all of us to belong are some responsibilities that we have. We have a responsibility to accept each other and help each other grow to become more like Jesus. We have a responsibility to love you and love others. We have a responsibility to serve. And Jesus, like you just modeled us so beautifully for us. Here you are, God in the flesh, stepping out of the splendor of heaven to earth and you could have easily told all of us to serve you, but no, you came here and you modeled for us what serving meant and what serving looks like. And so you took on the form of a humble servant. You picked up a towel, you washed your disciples' feet and then you told your disciples, and you're still telling us today, to do as you have done. Not when we get in a position of authority to start thinking that that, we're above that, but we should lead in every capacity that we have in every leadership role, in every position, in every place that we are, whether we're a boss, whether we're an employee, whether we're a teacher, whether we're a student, no matter where we go, we should step into that environment and use the authority that you have given us to serve. So Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church family find more and more ways to do that. I pray this morning that there'd be somebody new that would say, I'm diving in, I'm gonna commit, I'm gonna dive in and serve through this church family and help us reach the thousands of people in our community who haven't put their faith in Jesus yet, who aren't a part of God's family. We could play a part in helping that to happen. So Lord, I pray that we would do that together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here today, everybody. Go explore, have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.